man, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Now, I hope you brought your bathing suit. three-man weave tonight uh me my guy andy which uh you know and then our, our good friend uh mr spencer reamer uh but we got a text about what was it andy about 15 20 minutes before we were scheduled to record saying our guy got a little uh a little too excited for baseball opening day uh what, what time did he said he start started drinking tequila this morning i think he said the first tequila hit, hit the go at about 10 a.m so uh you know it the odds of uh, of Spencer making the pod were maybe minus three fifty with uh, the smart run smart money rolling in on the other side. God, that is that is wonderful. Well, the voice you're hearing, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Andy Ferdig. Uh, he was actually just with us on the last pod that we did, and oddly enough, this is actually turning out to just be a, a nice continuation of our last pod, considering we got cut out by. Uh, by the fine folks at the utility company uh, with a little blown fuse halfway through our last podcast. So we're actually going to touch on the topic that I think both of us were very excited to uh, to chat about, and that is the news that Bannon Dunes has announced they are going to be opening up their seventh golf course. And it's funny because... That's right, dude. That's the fucking appropriate response. Uh, less than two years ago, we got a bunch of reporting that a new golf course was going to be opening at the Bannon Dunes Resort, albeit south of the town at Bannon. The longtime Bannon Muni was going to be reopening as New River Dunes. A ton of news outlets op- uh, reported it. You know, I think it was first reported by Joel Beal at Golf Digest, Fire Pit Collective. Everybody else, you know, wrote these big stories about how the next course of Bannon was coming. But you never actually heard anything from the Bannon Dunes Golf Resort. It was just some some leaks and some people had talked to some people who knew some other people, and then that, you know, they felt that they had sourced it enough where they could report it. This time, it's coming right from the horse's mouth. The, the the fine folks at Bannon Dunes on their very own website have a big old you know a big old article with some details, a course map of the newest golf course at. I think it's safe to say, Andy, at your and I's favorite place in the world, or at least the Western United States. Correct. Um, Correct. You know. It, Anytime Disneyland is putting in a new ride, uh, the kids get excited. I, Andy, what, what was your first reaction when you saw that this was actually going to be happening? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it was a long time coming, right? We kind of saw those red flags out there off like the first and second holes of trails. For years. Rumors from the caddies being like, oh yeah, it's going to be like the new short course and it's going to be super cool and they're getting Doak or they're getting Gil Hans or they're getting all these different folks that are going to do it. And every year it seemed like it was just kind of the same red flags and they were a little bit more faded in the, in the elements. And, you know, so to actually hear it coming to fruition and see that, you know, it sounds like dirt's starting to be moved uh, is super exciting. And like another short course is, I just wish that there were more of those everywhere. I'm really glad you said that because I, I'm very curious to hear whether you think another par three course was the best decision for them. I mean, granted, I, I think it's awesome, you know, personally, but I know there's probably a lot of people that if they had their choice would maybe 
you know, prefer another full-length course. There are some people out there like myself that think it would be super awesome if they could build like a, an executive course that's threes with just like a couple short fours kind of yeah. mixed in there. Um, I, the site itself, uh, after talking to my contact, Abandon, was not suitable uh, for something like that. But I also don't think that, you know, the Dream Golf, the Kaisers, the, you know, the people that run and make those decisions abandoned would necessarily be opposed to something like that. But it seems to me, um, from other people I've talked to and from what it sounds like on your end, that the par three course is probably like the best best outcome possible for something like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I see both sides of the coin, right, in that there's already five phenomenal golf courses out there with the addition of sheep plus preserve um and so and don't forget shorties and obviously shorties <laughs> has a everybody special. always forgets shorties i just don't fucking understand the first hole of golf i ever played at bandon dunes was at shorties um but i think it's you know it's already i remember talking to some of the guys on our trip right and it was like fuck man like sheep now it's like full five are we gonna be able to even play all of them every trip like we're we gonna have to extend the trip out um are we gonna be able to get approval to, to extend the trip out from the decision makers in our households right Fair. um and so it would be you know you're kind of already picking between your your favorite kids when you're going out there and trying to you know if you only have a chance to play four like even our last trip you know, with the torrential downpour we got on the last day, like we had the time at Old Mac, we didn't get out there. Um, some of our buddies certainly did, which Godspeed to them and, and more power to them because it was a monsoon. Um, They've been showered with praise on the Suave Golf Instagram. They should, as as they should. Um, I mean, so I, I get that, hey, if they add another, which of course Bandit's going to add another incredible golf course, right? Like if they were to add another one, How's it going to fit into the rotation? Are we going to be able to hit all of them in like a trip that we're doing? The other side of the coin is like, hey, it's so hard to get there, right? Like, is it going to, you know, kill me to extend the trip one more day to be able to play another world-class golf course? Like, twist no, my arm. there's certainly an opportunity for that, right? Yeah, twist my arm, exactly. But I think the another part three is just like so fun. Like, you know, whether you're playing it on the way in or the way out, um, especially when we're there, right, with, like, the kind of rotating, the courses being open, you can likely probably have a par three course open every day if you alternate with Preserve mm. and and River Dunes, um, so or, or the, the new short course. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think it's perfect. I, I agree it would be sick to have, like, an executive course, like a par 63 or something, um, but it sounds like that wasn't in the card, so I think this is, like, a perfect addition. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny how you and me are slowly uh, transitioning into, like, Bannon's core demographic. You know, I, I mean, we've been going there together since, you know, our, like, mid-20s, right? And at that point, there weren't that many other groups. That, that, that was a thought that I had today. Like, I think the first group that I took up to Bannon Dunes, I was 22, I don't think there's that many like groups being where it's basically all just dudes in their 20s. Um, I think yeah. it's much more common to start having guys like us. We're now in you know, our mid-30s, or you know, you're approaching your mid-30s. I'm, I'm going to be firmly in my mid-30s uh, to a T uh, in a couple of weeks here. And, um, you know, in the last two trips that I made to Bandon Dunes, 
I have found that I have not been like as automatic to play 36 as I once was. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, a yeah. lot of that has to do with the time of year that we go. You know, when we go after Thanksgiving, sure. it gets dark at 5 o'clock. You got to really jam to get a second 18 yeah. in. And so, especially for the guys that are going, like when we go, when your your daylight is a little bit more limited, having some more par 3 courses is such a nice way to like be able to satisfy that playing more golf. Yeah. Kind of like itch without having to actually go and like basically run for three straight yep. hours to like try to like finish another 18. And I think for guys that are even going, you know, it's summertime when you have more daylight. I mean, just from a physical standpoint, there's just a lot of dudes that just don't want to play 36 full holes of golf in a day. And yep. to have more options, especially in summertime when you probably have a lot of those guys there that want to play 18, have a nice long leisurely lunch, maybe even take a little nap, have a couple cocktails, head back out, you know, around like 5, 530 for a quick little hour and a half, you know, two hour jaunt, uh, you know, you know, playing a bunch of par threes before they head to the steakhouse. I, I think it's amazing. Um, so totally. yeah, it sounds like a dream. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a dream. Um, so now, in addition to the preserve, which was already rated the best par three golf course in America by every golf publication that you can name, um, they are now going to have. Another par three golf course that the people abandoned are already saying it could be just as, if not more spectacular. Um, the land that this new par three course is going to be built on, which, as we mentioned, uh, is going to be right next to the preserve, just south of the preserve. It's also going to run alongside the the second hole uh, of Bandon Trails. The land is is more dramatic. Um, the dunes are yeah are more dramatic than you're f- going to find at the preserve and. Um, when the new crew, uh, who's going to be designing the golf course, WAC, W-A-C, which is Rod Whitman, Dave Axlin, and Keith Cutton, um, you know, Bandon just kind of had the expectation uh, that it was going to be another 12, 13, 14, you know, whole par 3 course. And when they went out and, you know, kind of came up with the routing, they came back and they were like, we found 19 good holes out there that work pretty good. I mean, do you have... I mean, do you have any issue with it being 19 instead of 13? And uh, thankfully, uh, the sane folks at were like, uh, I mean, the more golf you want to fit in there, the better. So, sure, yep. that sounds that sounds sick. Um, and now we're going to have a 19-hole par 3 course, which it's just going to be so awesome, man. I did ask, I was like, hey, well, now that we're going to have 19 holes and 13 holes next to each other, can we expect the greens fees to be you know, 33 or 30% more expensive than we're going to find at the preserve. And thankfully I got a resounding no um, from the folks at Bannon saying expect it to be the same greens fee as what you're going to be paying at the preserve. Um, I I think from taking a look at the course map, it does look like there's going to be more short, short par threes. Um, I, 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 I didn't go through and kind of measure it myself, Andy. But I'm guessing that of those 19 holes that probably at least six or seven are going to be like 75 yards and under. Yep. So I actually have it pulled up do you as, pulled up? We, as we pod. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we have a research team within the we podcasting studio because we need to have this information handy. Um, but, yeah, like taking a look at everything, it's going to be shorter. You know, the average distance per hole is certainly going to be shorter uh, than what you find at the preserve. But, um the team that's building this, again, Rod Whitman, Dave Axlin, and Keith Cutton, Whitman, Axlin, Cutton, known as WAC, um, 
they have a lot of experience at Bandon already. Um, all of those guys worked for Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw. Uh, not only did you know these guys, uh, at least one of them, if not you know a couple or all three of them, work on Bandon Trails um, with Core and Crenshaw. I believe they also worked on the Preserve with Core and Crenshaw, um, and you know other you know other Core and Crenshaw projects. These guys have worked on. I don't know sandy sites, courses like Friar's Head, uh, Sand Hills. I don't know if you've heard of it, Andy. Um, are those any good? What's that? Are those any good? Yeah, I mean, d- who could say? I've never been there, so I mean, <laughs> people. Could, it, this this could all be a farce. These, these could just be, you know, CGI generated photos and videos I've been seeing of these places for the last ten years. But um, these guys are really great. Um, they've worked on a lot of unbelievably great golf courses. Uh, I'm already saying great too much, so I'm going to cut that out. I'm going to get my thesaurus out, um, <laughs> and just have a lot of experience at world class golf courses where they you know do they've done the majority of the shaping uh for corn crenshaw for you know over 20 years uh after they designed sand hills dave axlin and i think dan proctor maybe i'm screwing that name up went on to by themselves design wild horse golf club in nebraska which uh you know from sources who i give a lot of uh you know credence to and i i, I trust uh implicitly have said it's probably one of the dozen best public golf courses in the entire United States. And they built it on a shoestring budget off a highway in Nebraska. Um, (laughs) I mean, these guys, they know what they're doing. Uh, And I think it's also really cool that they've decided to give somebody else a shot to have a course at Bannon because it does seem, hey, if you're Tom Doak or Corin Crenshaw or David Kidd, we'd love to have you. If not, better luck next time. There, yep. there will be other opportunities for you somewhere else. Um, so it, I think it's pretty cool to have, yeah, some some fresh blood in here, even if they've already worked on a couple of the golf courses with Corin Crenshaw. What was your initial reaction when you saw that it wasn't going to be Tom Doak and it was, in fact, going to be this firm that you may or may not have been familiar with? Yeah, I was a little bit um, surprised just because you had heard those big names, right? Um, but then as I dug into them, a little further uh, got me more and more excited as I saw the resume of the of the awesome courses that you that you just mentioned. And what I think is cool is as I'm kind of looking through the the routing here. To your point, yeah, I think there are some significantly shorter holes than what you see um, at, at the, the preserve. Yeah, looks like well, at the preserve there are there's at least one I could think of that's you know, like what like sixty yards or like sixty five yards. Yep. But I think there's going to be like a handful of those at this new part three course. Yeah, but it also looks like there's like a few kind of staunch tests out there. Like it looks like I love to hear that. And and if I'm looking at it correctly, which I I may not be, uh, looks like three sets of tee boxes um, and some holes that could potentially be stretching almost 200 yards from the back. Looks like number five is kind of a beast. Um, a couple shared greens out there, which seem very interesting. Um, 16 looks like it could, uh, pack a little punch. Um, it's, it's not a, certainly not a pitch and putt, but what I think is actually going to be really cool for Bandon specifically, right? Especially as you talked about, like us being their target demographic, Mm -hmm. I think with COVID a lot of, extended family members, whether it be kids or wives or girlfriends or other beginners kind of took up the game, right? 
and maybe they've heard their spouses or in the case of my spouse have an unbelievable amount of Bandon Dunes merch but have never actually made the trip out them out there themselves maybe it's an opportunity to expand that core demographic into groups you see you know Bandon publicizes a lot like a lot of these ladies groups that are going out there which is great and if they now have two short courses, is that an opportunity to make this more of a family trip for kids, wives, spouses, girlfriends, beginners of the game that want to get into it but aren't going to go out you know, on the Oregon coastline, get blown around by 40-mile-an-hour winds, but still want to go out there and have a time? Like, Is it going to be easier to, to get buy-in from the family to get out there? Um, I would think so. And maybe make it a family trip. Yeah, well, I mean, especially having like a couple of, uh, like a couple of options, right? Because now, um, you're gonna have the preserve and this course, uh, and then you know if you're there uh, Thursday through Sunday, you have shorties at the practice area that you can go play. Yep. Um, and then obviously the punch bowl. Punch bowl. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of golf that you can play without having to go teed up for a par 71 or par 72 out of band of dunes and i think that's a that's a great point i didn't hadn't included that in any of our notes but um yeah i mean just from personal experience do you think you'd be able to convince your wife to to go to band of dunes to go play a bunch of par three courses for a couple days and then maybe when she goes to take a nap or maybe you send her to a a massage at the massage center and then you know uh andy gets out to go play 18 at at, at one of the courses i I don't know Is, is that something that you think you realistically could convince your wife to do i certainly think having two short courses makes it much more likely than previously right than just going out and saying hey we're going to play preserve like we'll play preserve together in the morning and then i'm going to dip out and go play uh pacific which you likely have no interest in playing arguably sometimes i have no interest in playing because it kicks my ass every time i'm out there um, but you know, I, so one I day, man, that makes it, it's going to click one for day, you. one day I'm going to get it. Um, I think that it just makes it more approachable, right? I think that is ultimately the kind of barrier to entry with golf, right? Is like, I have to go play like a big course and, and this makes it, you know, you can see, and I think you can also get an understanding of like, why we make this mecca trip every year because like you can kind of get immersed and eat the great food and have the great guest experience and go through the whole thing and be like okay yeah now i get it now i understand why you go out there when it's 37 degrees and raining sideways and sometimes hailing and play golf for five days yeah mostly because it's just fucking sick (laughs) it's so sick Views are good, golf is good, food is good, vibes are great. Yeah, um, vibes are exceptional. Vibes are very good there. I, I don't I don't think this is going to diminish the vibes. Uh, at Bandon one bit, uh, I feel somehow it might already enhance what's already, I think, just some of the just most fun uh, that that grown men can have uh, playing golf. Totally uh, out in the middle of nowhere, it's really great, man. Um, I think another note that's pretty cool, if we want to jump back on to the architects that are going to be designing this course, um, I was also, you know, I was also made aware that these guys are also currently working on another project in Redmond, Oregon, which is, uh, I think it's called the Tribute Course at Thornbur Resort. I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, Redmond is a suburb of Bend. Um, doing a little research, it looks like it's going to be 
very much in the same kind of ilk or kind of same style and uh, quality of somewhere like Pronghorn. I think it's going to be pretty upscale. Okay. They're going to be doing, you know, they have some housing out there. It uh, looks like Core and Crenshaw routed the golf course, but then Wack took over, designed it, and is now building it. So I think it's about a five-hour drive from Bannon. So these guys are basically living in Oregon full-time right now, and they're just going back and forth between Bandon and this place up uh, just north of Bend. And so they're actually spending significantly more time on the ground than your typical mm-hmm. architects would um, for something like this. And so I think the new golf course is going to be getting a lot of uh, tender tender love and care. Um, and, you know, Bannon is still saying they're aiming for a 2024 opening of this new golf course. Um, I think that's pretty realistic, but I also think that it's not completely unrealistic to think that they may they may have some preview play out there as soon as like late this year my i keep my fingers crossed maybe is is you know late slash early as i don't know november oh well that would be convenient. that would be awfully if nice for us wouldn't be, it you know right around i would like that maybe they wrapped it up the week before thanksgiving i and i would like that i i, I would love to go see it um yeah it's it's pretty interesting what were you surprised at all when you heard that it wasn't Tom Doak? Considering that's what every caddy and everybody's been, you know, rumored, you know, has told us as we play the second hole at Bannon Trails and look over at those sticks. It's like, yeah, Tom Doak. He's going to be building an executive course. You're like, oh, is he? The next year? Tom Doak's par yeah. three course. Oh, okay. It's par three now. Hey, it's Tom Doak's golf course. Hey, do you know if it's going to be a par three or an executive? Eh, who could say? You know, it's just, it's, it's going to yeah. be a surprise. The only thing that we heard was that it was Tom Doak, Tom Doak, Tom Doak. And now it's not. Um, again, in the conversations that I had with uh, the representatives of Bannon, Tom Doak was in. He was lined up to design this thing. He had put out routings. He was all set to go. Um, it was not made clear whether or not Tom stepped away from the project or if Bannon ultimately decided to go with someone else. But I know that it did have a lot to do with Tom more or less being overcommitted in, in terms of he's building the Lido at Sand Valley, he's building Sedge Valley uh, at the Sand Valley Golf Resort, he's now building Pinehurst Number 10, all of which he's trying to spend, you know, probably a little bit of time at. Not to mention, he's I think he's probably doing three, four, maybe as many as five other projects on top of that. Um, so it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if it was kind of like a mutual decision where Bannon was just like, hey, we kind of want to get this thing built and we want to have somebody who's going to be able to be on site as much as we'd like them to. Uh, so when Mr. Kaiser gets up there and he sees the super massively undulating greens, he can look the architect in the face and say, you need to soften this up. This shit's not going to fly here. Um, yeah. So I, I think it, my guess is that it was probably a mutual uh, decision. I, I Again, I, that's just a guess. Um, yeah. Would you have been more excited if this was a Tom Doak course? Honestly, I don't think I would have. Um, Less excited if it I, was a Tom Doak course. I'm just, I just love everything that Corn Crenshaw has ever touched that I've ever been lucky enough to to walk on. Yeah. And these guys being direct disciples of that. Um, I just find their courses to be obviously Doak's work is incredible. I just find Corn Crenshaw stuff to be like a little more fun. 
they're just really like nice people who like to build build some places with nice grass. You know, they're just they're, yeah, love that. I see what you did there. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I just when I think of like Core Crenshaw, I think of like massive undulations and everything kicking balls to the hole and like big greens and like fun kind of rugged like it just like it just comes the the word that keeps coming back to me is just like fun and that's i think the theme that you should be going for with a par three course yes is fun right and so and that's why they say like you know they say mammoth dunes like everything like kicks to the hole Right. And like that just sounds so fun. And like Kapalua is the same way, right? Like you can hit some drives at Kapalua and be like, ooh, that wasn't very good. And all of a sudden, like see it just bounding down the fairway. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. Like that's so fun. And so that may just be like my perception of it. Um, and my main perception of Doke being getting my teeth kicked in at Pacific every year. Um, so, so maybe that's, that's unfair for me. Um, but no, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, you know, not to snub my nose at all at, at Doak, but I was not at all disappointed to see when I, when I dug into the whack guys resumes, um, to see them being disciples of core Crenshaw made me just as excited, if not more. Yeah. And like I said, I, I think it's just cool that there's going to be more guys that are going to be able to, uh, put their stamp on what's already the greatest golf resort in North America. Um, totally. No offense to Pinehurst or you know Pebble Beach, but that's just that's just my personal opinion. I think it's the fucking best. Um, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, do you know how we're going to get to this new course? I don't know if you looked at the notes or if you if you just want to take a stab at it if you, if, if you haven't read it already. Um, no. So because uh, I was thinking, obviously seeing the course, I was wondering. Oh, I, I wonder if people are going to have to like walk like a like if they're going to have some sort of trail. That'll kind of walk along, you know, number one at trails in between there and the preserve. They'll just kind of have this cool path. and They'll run everything, you know, continue to run everything out of the trails golf shop like they do for the preserve. And mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, the plan is to have a structure, uh, the scale of which they have not yet determined, uh, whether it'll just be like a little golf shop uh, with a little bit of retail kind of the way that old Mac uh, is right now. Yep. Um, or they make, you know, it into something a little bit uh, more. Um, they haven't decided yet, but they did tell me that the way that you're going to get there via the shuttle, they will take you down uh, the main road, past Bannon Trails, past the Lily Pond, past the Round Lake, cross through the, the 18th tee at Bannon Trails, you'll cross through uh, the third tee shot at Bannon Trails, and then right after you make that little left-hand turn, there will be a new road that will basically drive you out, um, that will take you out to the new golf course, basically opposite, you know, across the road from the third fairway at trails yep. right and it will kind of basically loop around that dune that's behind the second green at trails which i'm certainly familiar with that road yeah <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> behind behind the wheel or or, or with trails. uh you know uh yeah behind the wheel of the push cart uh that i'm schlepping over there well you know that that that, that hasn't been the that. case for several years you have your beautiful boy on the bag now that that is true, my sweet prince. Um, but yeah, last year our our trails round, I remember uh, struggling with a with a push cart after potentially one too many uh, in the the first round of the day. 
um, and being over there. So I think that's actually really cool. Um, again, just kind of like expanding the property and thinking about it. You you mentioned Old Mac. Like what popped into my mind was kind of like the, the sheep ranch setup they have, um, which are kind of, you know, similar in, in size and stature, I guess. Um, but probably another place to, you know, have some, some cool little quick bites and um, likely will be uh, a cool place to hang out to. Um, certainly excited to see the logo that they build out. They uh, they never cease to excite me with their. I'm excited to know what the new um, course name is going to be. Yeah, all all of that is is super exciting. But that's that's actually really cool because that'll be um, kind of its own little thing. And I imagine that trails, you know, kind of supporting both trails and preserve right now would probably get a little bit jammed up um, trying to have check a, a third course in there. So I think that makes a lot of sense to have it out there. And I think that's a really cool spot to have it. Did you, or do you ever access the resort from that way? Like from that part of the road? Cause I, it's funny. No. Oddly enough, I think most people are flying into Portland or flying into Coos Bay uh, or North Bend, excuse me. And or, or coming from somewhere, or you know, they're jumping over from Highway Five in Roseburg and popping out. So, really, the only people that are coming in the south entrance to Bandon Dunes are people that are driving up from California or from, you know, a, a place in Oregon that's even more south than Bandon. Um, and so it's funny because like I never even really knew the other road existed that most everybody comes in on. So, it'll yeah. it'll be kind of cool for. I mean, it's it's so beautiful over there. Obviously, you know, where Trails is is gorgeous. Uh, you know, Howard McKee yeah. said it was. He, what he thought was the most beautiful place in the entire Bandon's property was that meadow that the third and fourth mm-hmm. holes play on. And that road kind of runs right along the edge of that meadow. And I think it'll be cool because I think there will be a lot of people that kind of just never really knew that, you know, that road, which is really pretty, is, is even down there. It'll get a chance or give a lot of guests to uh, explore a piece of the property that they would have never really seen otherwise. Uh, unless, you know, totally. unless the driver's kind of as fluky <laughs> as, as it sounds like it may have been for you and I on three of trails. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I think it's going to be really awesome. And, and like I mentioned before, um, just like the preserve, uh, it looks like this is going to be something where the greens fees pretty much go all to the wild rivers coast Alliance. So great golf for a good cause. Bannon knocking it out of the park again, really good for them. Uh, like I said, I mentioned that they're aiming for an opening next year. Um, at least regarding this new par three course, man, I don't really know. I don't really have. I think we've we've done it. We got we got thirty solid minutes on. I mean, did, does that scorecard or does that the course map have a, a total yardage of what they're expecting this course to be? It doesn't. It just has a, like a little scale, zero to one hundred and fifty yards, and so I'm kind of trying to like take my fingers and move it to well, my I, other. Screen I guess it's not that. Part. I mean, I guess I was just going to say, you know, it's basically that's thirty minutes. Uh, of talk for a golf course that's probably not going to stretch more than 2,000 yards. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. Yeah, that's it's absolutely great. Um, now, that being said, uh, when I did get a chance to talk to um, my friends that work up at the Band of Dudes Golf Resort, they had some other news for me, or at least I pried a little bit about some non-par three course news that actually was a kind of uh, excited to, to run by you and to get your takes on here. So, uh, we're we're going to move on to other parts of the Bandon's Golf Resort. Um, mainly, when we were there in November, we saw there was a lot of construction going on at uh, Old McDonald. Uh, it is finally coming the new restaurant, which has a name already, Andy. Does it now? The Ghost Tree Grill 
at Old oh. McDonald is is that looking. Is it, it is nearing completion. Um, now, oddly enough, it turns out that it is just going to be a restaurant and potentially a new uh, golf shop for Old McDonald with a, a larger footprint for retail and things like that. Um, yep. Which makes sense. I mean, the old McDonald golf shop yeah. is pretty small. They got one of the best logos in all the golf. They probably could sell do. a lot of fucking stuff if they just had, you know, more shelves to put it on. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool. I did hear originally the rumors that they were going to build this restaurant and that's where they were going to move the steakhouse to. As of now, that is not the plan. Uh, it's just going to be a new restaurant, the Ghost Tree Grill, the Forge, which is the new uh, steakhouse they've had there for a couple years now, is going to remain uh, at the main yep. lodge. Uh, I'm really hoping that for big groups like we go and, you know, groups that I take up there, uh, that the the Ghost Tree Grill will be an option for, for large groups. Hopefully yeah. they build a, a nice, you know, private banquet space. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts on another another Bannon restaurant. You know, it's it'll be in a really cool locale. It it will be in such a cool locale. I think i um, curious. I'm actually kind of excited that it that. Forge is going to stay in the main lodge and it's going to be something brand, brand new, right? I think there's something to be said about a new space and like creating its own identity. Um, and so I think that that'll be fun. I think it will be an awesome place to sit during like, cause when I think about Forge, right, I think about it more as like a nighttime nightcap higher end, like steakhouse, steakhouse. Yeah. Right, and with the location where uh, Ghost Tree Grill is going to be, like that just seems like such a cool spot to hang, like midday after a round, uh, and kind of look out over Old Mac and and have the Ghost Tree in the distance and the Punch Bowl right there. Um, it's going to be sexy as hell. Green, like watching those shots come in, like oh, that just seems like such a great hang, um, and like excited to see what the menu is going to shake out like. And like, it's not just like, Oh, we're taking that menu and moving it to this new location. Like it's a brand new thing. It just makes it seem newer and more exciting. Yeah. I, I, I I'm elated, uh, to test out the dining situation up there. Uh, one thing though, that we had been hearing, uh, both reported, uh, I know the fire pit collective reported this back in July 21. I know, uh, our buddy, you know, the, the mayor of Bannon, Tony Schuster, which, by the way, shout out and big congratulations to Tony Schuster on becoming a dad uh, here recently. Very, uh, very exciting for the mayor. I wonder I wonder how long his uh, paternity leave is before he's got to get back out and start <laughs> uh, start looping again. Lace up those hokas and pay for some yeah, right. <laughs> Um But he, you know, and, and some other people had told us that there was also plans to uh, build another kind of punch bowl style putting course. Um at this new location at Old McDonald. Uh, that is no longer the case, at least if there was a plan for that, it's been abandoned. Uh, the big lawn, that's the thing, is like the putting green at Old McDonald is already fucking awesome and huge. Yeah. And they and they have the option to um, mow it down to green length, even, you know, to an even bigger putting green than they already have. So that always seemed like it was kind of a, a far-fetched idea. Yeah. Especially given the fact that the green... You know the practice, you know the putting green at the actual practice center, which is right across the road, is also more or less like punch bowl sized. Um, yep. So there's not going to be a an additional putting course located at Old McDonald, um, and I don't believe, at least as of now, there's no more lodging planned to be built at Old McDonald. 
again, uh, citing that same fire pit article uh, f- back from the summer of 2021, they were considering building lodging, now I shit you not, on the ridge in between the first and second and fourth holes at Old McDonald. Now, it hasn't totally been ruled out, but that just seems like something they would never fucking do. No. That's like, it, it's so, like, in your face in the golf course. And, yeah. like, it, it just, that, yeah. that seemed like that was always never going to work. Do you recall, though, seeing, like, some sort of structure or some sort of construction happening? If you're driving north, right, as right as after you pass the practice center, but before you get to Old McDonald, there's, like, a big shed over there. And totally. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow that ends up, there ends up being some lodging maybe somewhere around there. Uh, just because there's that's, really, and that's where I thought it was going to be. Yeah, which which that would make sense. But the way that I was reading the article, you would think that guys are going to be perched up on the ridge line, be able to watch guys play for Old McDonald. That just seems no fucking way. Yeah, and I don't know that I would. I mean, it would be a, a sick view and a sick place to stay. But like, I mean, like. Getting there would seem to be a challenge. Schlepping all your stuff. Like, I think about, like, trying to check in there. Seems like it would be a bit of a nightmare. Um, you'd obviously have to build something to, to be able to facilitate getting people there. And it, like you said, it's just too in the golf course. And that is not at all um, the the motif of, of traditional banding that we've seen thus far. Yeah, and, and it's funny because they're building more golf. And... It seems like they already don't have enough lodging to satisfy all the demand for the golf. But when I brought that point up, um, again, to their director of communications, he kind of told me, look, man, we're actually, that's the whole reason. We don't have enough golf or enough lodging to meet all the demand. Um, But we're going to prioritize building golf first because we always want to make, because that's the thing is like, as of now, once you get to the resort, it's still hard to play, you know, without all your reservation stuff beforehand. So we're just trying to build more golf, and then if the more golf continues to be successful, we'll do our best to try to keep up with the lodging. I feel like a lot of yep. places would go the other way, and they'd want to make sure they got yep. more than enough rooms. Uh, it just is nice to know that they've got their priorities in the right place. Another reason why Bandon's just the best. Yeah, it's just, it's just really... Like, you, to, to your point, like, they, I think priorities is the is the best way to describe it but like, by the way i'd like they... to, i'd like to take a brief moment here andy i'm sorry to cut you off um for anybody wondering this podcast is not in any way sponsored by band and dunes golf resort we're just full-on degenerate fanboy sickos that just really like talking about our favorite place on the west coast so th- 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 yeah this is this is not an ad this was not even like sanctioned uh, by Band of Dudes. It's just, I, I just... If if they if they would like to sponsor... They it, certainly I'm are welcome to sponsor. To that. We, are, we are very um, open to a new sponsorship deal from Dream Golf. But correct, not non-sponsored content. Just, just, they, you know, never have any issue in, in heaping praise on places or people that deserve it. Yeah, but it, again, I, I don't know if the people that are listening to this find it as interesting as you and I do. I, I'm just fascinated by development especially you know like you know golf course and resort development so all this stuff is is fascinating to me how they're approaching building golf versus building you know adding additional rooms um i know you know it's long been the plan to build lodging up at the sheep ranch as well um you know they'd already been you know clearing out uh clearing out trees and 
uh, building utilities and stuff there. But when I had asked their director of uh, communications about, you know, whether, you know, when we can expect to have those open, um, they said, you know, that's actually been put on pause for right now. Uh, it's not, we're not 100% sure whether we will ultimately have lodging uh, up at Sheep Ranch. So it does seem, at least from what they can tell me, um, a lot of things still kind of seem to be in flux, which I, I think is actually kind of the right way to approach this. Um, you know, yeah. It's a, I mean, I, it's a fluid I totally situation. agree. And yeah, yeah. Story's still developing. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, and you know, it seems like there's a few of those places, right? I, I think um, the mayor may or may not be involved in like Bandon Manor, which is that like Airbnb that I think houses like 10 to 12 folks and i think what's really cool about bandon is like you know to to your point about the par three course um and preserve funding the wild rivers coast alliance like they really are all about the local community um and so if it's providing additional opportunities for like areas even off the property to start to you know handle some of that overflow of um of lodging then then maybe that's what they're thinking about and trying to see if there's a there's a way that they can kind of pump more into the local economy um but yeah it's i i think just the fact that they're trying to make sure that the people that are making the the trip to go out there the golf sickos like us are able to get their fix of as much golf as they want to play is is cool right because that's going to continue to people bringing their friends and to your point right like it's very thoughtful on their part yeah it's very considerate grown you know 10x since you made that first pilgrimage in your early 20s at least and now you're doing multiple trips out there a year um and people are going to continue to bring family and friends and that's that's what makes it such a special place yeah man it's uh god the place is so fucking special um (laughs) The, the last thing we'll touch on, at least regarding Band of Dunes, for, for this uh, episode, uh, I, I actually mentioned it very way back at the top. I, I think it's a little odd and like a little bit of a bummer that uh, there's been absolutely zero developments regarding New River Dunes. The long, you know, the long, for a long time it was Band and Muni, uh, you know, and when I asked uh, the folks at Band if they had any updates for me, the response verbatim all all they could offer was uh and i quote mr kaiser does still own the land that was it otherwise we have nothing other than we have we just have no updates and again as i mentioned at the top of the podcast bannon made no official statements regarding new river dunes the longtime rumored gill hands course that then became a david mcclay kid course um, so whether or not that ends up happening, I guess we'll probably have to wait and see how things shake out with the new par three course and whether some, uh, complimentary lodging gets built. Um, yep. yeah, again, who could say, who could say, yeah, I mean, I, I think I like the idea of the new par three course being on the property itself. Yeah and seeing how that goes, uh, and investing. And, and obviously it's probably quicker time to, to value for them, quicker time to, to actual play. Um, 
less logistical stuff they have to deal with in terms of getting people to the New River Dunes location. Uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's a bummer, right? Because it, it sounded very promising and exciting. And, um, but I think it's, it's not like they're taking away golf from us. They're delivering it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, man. Banner dunes. Golf's it was meant to be. God damn it. I love that God, place. The best place. Um, let's hear, man. Should we, uh, should we hit on a couple other, um, just kind of golf resort little tidbits here before we, uh, maybe answer, uh, answer a question, uh, you know, user submitted question here and, and put a wrap on this thing. Let's do it. Um, so this is actually a couple weeks ago, uh, but I think it's still relevant to us considering we were talking so much about, uh, uh, Rod Whitman, Dave Axelin and, and, you know, Keith Cutton. And that is, uh, the Corn Crenshaw course, the public Corn Crenshaw course that, uh, is complimenting Terry down in New Zealand, which is Teari links. The South course is officially open for public play. And Andy Furtick, my question to you is when is the earliest that you will be able to make yourself available for a trip to the Southern Hemisphere for uh, a few rounds of golf? God, I mean, it looks, I think I've been following that page on Instagram for since it, since it was launched. Um, Likewise. And it looks so cool. And that is, you know, from a, golf destination standpoint um you know realistic or otherwise probably number one i was literally that's that's exactly what i was about to ask you if you had a weekend you got two days of golf anywhere in the world you think that terry Edy and teari in new zealand might be the number one place on all of planet earth that you'd like to go for a couple days of golf yeah if 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 there was if if teleportation was an option, that would be number one. Dude, that's yeah. I mean, it would be tough. An eighteen-hour flight for for two days of golf would be tough. <laughs> we we, 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 we we'll probably to, try to turn you know probably try to get at least a week's worth of golf out of that trip. But. Yeah, we'd probably have to extend it a, a little bit on either end. Um, but yeah, man, it looks it looks so cool, and all the golf down there in kind of the the sand belt seems like it's just unreal um so yeah it, it, i i can't wait to like hear more reviews as people are getting out there and, and playing it and experiencing that but from every piece of content i've been able to gobble up it, it looks incredible yeah i i in all honesty man i'm going to try and coordinate and put a group together which you're obviously always more than welcome to join um I think, you know, my guess is that Suave Golf would definitely, certainly not be putting a trip together to New Zealand before, you know, any sooner than 2025. But I think 2025 or 2026, uh, we are going to shoot for our, our first international, uh, you know, sabbatical that we're going to put together. And wow. I feel like that would probably be a pretty, probably a pretty good place to do it. Andy Furtick's that number one be... destination in the world. I mean, I feel like we're, we're, we can't go anywhere else now. Yeah, hopefully we got it. We got to get we got to get Elon on some teleportation stuff, or or somebody else out there that can figure it out how to how to make that how to cut that uh, that travel time down. And yeah, count me in. That would be that would be pretty nice. Um, well, that one's already open. If we go to courses that have yet to open, honestly, that have yet to begin construction, what I want to know is how. 
as an Orange County guy, how much did you laugh when you heard that Mike Trout was building his own golf course and he was going to have Tiger Woods design it? I mean, I, I love Mike Trout. Um, I find it so depressing that we have two generational talents, arguably two of maybe the greatest players that will ever play the game of baseball in our backyard here. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Uh, they'll they sniff no success. Um, it, it's it's quite disappointing i mean it good for him you know like get get your rocks off somewhere else. trout you national a, you, got lot, you got a lot of time in the in the fall when when the angels inevitably you know are 20 games under 500 and missed the playoffs um i noticed he decided not so to yeah. build in orange county bummer that would have been cool <laughs> would have been cool <laughs> but yeah i mean all, all uh although from what you were telling me before we started recording orange county if he was going to build in Orange County, and it's going to be a private club, entry, you know, initiation fee is probably going to be around a half mil, with you know monthly dues around three thousand a month. That that wouldn't be that wouldn't be ideal. Not not awesome. Um, I feel like pricing in New Jersey could be a little better. Potentially, but uh, I'm sure Pine Valley's pretty expensive. Yeah, although you know what's so funny is that like a lot of those like you know. I should say a lot because there's not really a lot of the best golf course in the world, but <laughs> I feel like we would be a little surprised with some of them, how not expensive they are compared to what we think they are and that yeah. they're just so old school. I mean, a lot of them are nonprofits and granted they pour a lot of money into it because, you know, they can collect a lot of dues and they just want to pour it back into the golf course, i.e. like an Augusta national. Although they have this thing called the Masters that also generates a lot of money, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm fascinated. I, I hope that before we die, we get a chance to go see Mike Trout's golf course. I'm in. I, w- I would love that. And a batting I, cage next to the first tee. Let's go. I would love to see um, any of Tiger's designs. I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen any. I haven't played the hay. Um, and so I'm I'm kind of curious to see like his like how he thinks about designing a golf course and, and comparing it to some of the other classical architects that we uh, enjoy their work so much. Yeah, yeah. Tiger, you know, I mean he's a, he's a very he's a very important man. All right, I I, I know I'm I'm doing a Masters preview here in the next couple of days. I the you know the first round of the Masters is going to be in the books a week from right now. I, so I just need like a quick, you know, I, I do need a quick take from you while we're on the subject. <laughs> Tiger Woods, does he finish in the top 20 next weekend at Augusta National? T18. I mean, that'd be fucking sick. It would be so sick. You have to root for it. Like, I don't think anybody's not going to be rooting for Tiger Woods other than the girlfriend that he locked out of his house uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> but, I mean... I think it was I think it was my guy Jeff Shackelford who was saying something about it where, you know, once he got to Riviera and the way that he was playing and the way that he was putting, he kind of was like, "Yep, don't need, yeah, don't need any uh any additional work out there." I think uh, I think I got it all kind of all sorted out. Is yep. it, <coughs> something that was going on um, last year, you know, with his putting may have been uh, like actually like a mechanical kind of thing, 
it wasn't like you know certainly wasn't like a loss of feel or anything like that he made he was basically three putting more than he'd ever had in his career uh in his cup you know his appearances at the major championships last year that seems to have been resolved so assuming the leg you know is is okay which i mean hey again we have no idea there were times even at the genesis uh where it was looking a little look not a little it was looking really fucking wonky um but if he can kind of get it under control and he can get that putter t18 i think is absolutely in play i mean i don't know what i haven't looked at the book i i know and i know you're a man that likes to uh you know put some capital down on uh you know sporting Mm. outcomes or at least has in the Mm. past I mean, off the top of your head, what do you think the odds should be for Tiger to finish in the top ten? Plus, uh, I mean, it, it depends on if you're counting the Tiger tax, right? Because everybody wants to have the piece of Tiger finishing in the top ten, so it's going to be—I uh, don't know if it's overpriced or underpriced. It, it will be more expensive than it should be. Uh, I would say Tiger to finish in the top ten. Will probably come out at uh, plus four hundred, four fifty. Man, like really, probably should seem like really to tough like odds. Seven hundred. <sighs> yeah, realistic. I mean, if anybody else had only played six golf tournaments in the last year and never finished inside yeah. like the top like twenty ones, I, I think probably plus it'll two thousand plus than, three thousand might be a little more appropriate. Yeah, but it'll probably be it'll be better than probably every live guy except for Cam and DJ. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing. Again, I, I, I just can't wait to do the uh, the Masters preview with Dur. I have I have to get your thoughts on this. You know, at least a little bit. What, oh, I'll be I'll be listening. What I mean, what what do you think between Cam and DJ? Who who do you feel more confident in being able to come in and actually make the Live Boys proud? I, I think they're kind of cut from the same cloth, uh, in that. They both seem like they have other shit that they care about, that it's not like that they can kind of turn off the fact that they might be getting, you know, sneered and and um, the vitriol that can come from from it. But obviously the, the fans at Augusta are, are the most respectful that, that you're going to find in, in golf. Uh, it's not like they're playing out at Phoenix. Um, so... I, don't, I would probably say Cam just because he seems like he's he's younger and likely in better form. Um, although you could argue that neither of them are in great form um, from what I've seen. So I would probably say Cam, but um, as a betting man, I'll probably be throwing some shekels on every live guy to miss the cut. Um, and just see. Liv's got I, an I event this weekend, Andy. They're they're getting that. they're getting greased up, you know, with a nice little fifty four hole scramble to kind of get themselves <laughs> ready for the Masters. These guys are these guys are getting tuned up right now, man. Yeah, I um, it's going to be a great tournament, um, and I I just can't wait. No, I honestly like, I think the Masters might even just be better even than normal this year because now to actually get to watch Cam and DJ play against the other guys. For the first time since basically last year's Open Championship, uh, man, it just feels like such a treat. Um, and I, it's kind of interesting you mentioned those guys have like interest outside of golf. For Cam, I'm pretty sure it's fishing. I heard he's like a huge, yeah. huge fisherman. What's what's DJ? What's DJ's thing that he likes to do outside of golf? I think just chilling. I think he's also like a big boat guy. 
Paulina, the kids. Mini I think skirts, he's just like blow. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's just got like other shit. But I also think that he can kind of turn off everything else that's going on around him mm-hmm. and and just go out there and, and rip it. But uh, I do think DJ would actually be like I, I I should say I think he would be, but I think there's potential DJ could be a really great hang. He could also be a terrible sure. he could also be a terrible hang, but I do think there's like a there's a chance he could actually be a really, really fun hang. Yeah. Yeah, it's He's like one of those guys that you can't tell. Like, are you just like a total dud, or would you be like the funniest guy of all? Time? Right. <laughs> Who also happens to hit the ball three hundred and thirty yards? Yeah. Man, it's the ball Pretty a long, good. long way. Um, okay, let's see here. I'm just take a jump back in the notes here, um, and then let's see here, brother. The last thing. Oh, last thing I wanted to mention to you is, I'm so excited that we're going to be going to Sand Valley together next year. Mm, I can't wait. Talk about another another place much more realistically high on my bucket list. Uh, I'm so excited. It's going to be really great. Us, uh, a bunch of our friends, and hopefully a couple of uh, you know future Suavitos listening to this podcast might be joining us uh, in central Wisconsin. Um, I believe you know Suave Golf is you know going to be uh, putting a trip together that Andy and myself are both going to be attending next October. Uh, beginning half of October, I think Sand Valley Golf Resort closes around mid to late October. Um, so be on the lookout for some details. I think we're going to be posting up on the website in June. So, uh, if that's something that interests you, um, you know, I, I would say jump on it. We just got the, it's a small little trip and we got a couple spots and there's a possibility it would be very, very limited spots. Uh, when, you know, Andy and myself and the rest of the, you know, the already flourishing Suave Golf community, uh, is able to make their way out there. So, uh, keep out when I do, post that trip on the swap off website i will let all of you fine listeners know um all right let's move on i don't really have a uh a name for the segment andy uh it's kind of inspired a little bit by the life advice kind of thing that uh, ryan rosillo does at the end of his podcast but i don't really want to go into i don't know i just don't feel qualified to give people advice in their personal life <laughs> I, I mean those guys definitely aren't qualified but they kind of do it anyway i think that's sort of the point but I have, uh, yeah. you know, reached out to listeners of this podcast for a few questions. I've got one or two for you that I wanted to bring up to you. Um, Let's do it. First one here was submitted from an anonymous uh, account, one that I did not know. I'm not going to even repeat it on Instagram. And that is, Andy, if the group in front of you is just blatantly violating the cart rules on a golf course, i.e. if it's cart path only, they're driving on the fairways, or if there's just dudes that are just going full Donnie Trump and just driving their, you know, their their golf carts in the putting green. What do you do? Do 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 you just like I don't want to get involved. Those schmucks can do what they want. Are you going to go and confront them yourself? Are you immediately getting the cell phone out to call the golf shop? I, I I'm very curious how you handle conflict out on the golf course. Yeah, this is an interesting question. I think a couple things the the two main things that would kind of um, determine how I responded to this is number one, is this a country club that I belong to? Mm. Because if it's a club you belong to, I'm on the phone immediately and I'm getting somebody out there that's taking care of this, right? You're, you are a part owner of that golf course. It is your responsibility. You play it 
multiple times a week. It's something you want to sweat and financial equity in the golf course. Correct. Correct. Um, Assuming that it isn't, it's really going to depend on if it is impacting my round of golf that day. Is my shot that is greenside in a cart uh, tire, tire mark? track? That would not be. Um, not, that would not be tight. Are they playing? Am I waiting for them on every hole? But if they're you know, keeping a pace their way out in front of me and I see like, hey, they seem like they might be close. That's something that I'm going to assume that there's a marshal out there that's job is to handle these types of conflicts and I'm going to let them go ahead and handle that. If it's impacting my personal enjoyment of the day, we, I will likely be either phoning that in or if like, you know, you see them on a tee box like, hey guys, you, uh, you know, what, what are we, uh, what are we doing up there? I didn't realize you own the course. I just, I have no idea what I would do. I, I, I think it would be not so much the, whether it was a club or not that I joined. I just feel like it would just totally depend on my mood. Am I just, yeah. how much have I been drinking? Am I angry? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, when, when I saw someone brought to this question, I think my first, my first reaction was, I have no fucking idea. Probably would call the yeah. golf shop. I think that's probably my default. Like that's probably what I would do more often. Than anything, I'm a pretty yeah. non-confrontational guy, especially on the golf course. Yeah, I mean, I'm not driving up there to like reprimand them personally. Yeah, like that is not that is not my not my job. Yeah, I think like someone you know someone asked a question that was sort of similar, at least in the same vein. Uh, when Dur was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with like, how do you handle people that like hit into you, right? And you know, a lot of you know a lot of us just to uh, give the arms up and kind of be like, hey, what's going on? There's a lot, like, there's actually way more people out there than I would expect that are just super down to get, like, in a physical confrontation <laughs> on the golf course. They grab the ball, tee it back up, and hit it, you know, hit it off into, like, out of bounds or hit it into a lake. That, I don't think I would ever do that. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I've I've played in rounds where people have done that, and then it's become, like, a, a elevated voice conversation for uh for lack of better term and it just makes everyone uncomfortable it's not like assuming no one got hurt right like i'm doing what you're doing the hey what you know waving your arms and what are you guys doing and you know maybe flipping a bird if we're getting if we're feeling really aggressive or if we've had a few pops yeah it's uh yeah it's just those people just don't understand i generally like to assume that people aren't um like don't have it out for me in life and so i i try to assume that it was probably an accident yeah and in that case you know if it happens a couple times maybe we're gonna have to you know we we put the ball on a tee or something but yeah in terms of like hitting it back at him or throwing it in the bushes or yeah, i'm not doing that yeah not not doing that uh p glazy on instagram says seven bannon golf courses seems really excessive why so many? I think if you just listen to this podcast, Pitagazi, you may you may understand exactly why seven feels like it's only just enough. Get out there, Pete Gleazy. You you gotta experience it for yourself. I think it's time for you, Mr. Gleazy, to get up to the Oregon coast. <laughs> Again, just like I was telling Andy, uh you know, we're uh Suave Golf is putting a trip together uh next year, twenty twenty four to Sand Valley. We are also putting together a trip to Bandon Dunes. Everyone is welcome the last weekend of March 
that seems like an excellent opportunity for you, Pigleza, to make your way up to the Oregon coast with some, you know, in, in a safe space amongst other suave golfers. So I hope you take advantage of that. Uh, thank you for writing in. And then the last one is actually from me, Andy. Hit me. First things first, your golf towel. Do you carry a full, like, a full-size, like, golf towel, or do you fuck the little the little tiny one that you put on the little hook uh, hang off to one side of your bag? No, I have a full-size golf towel. Because you're a normal <laughs> human man, and that's 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 the only yeah. acceptable answer. Um, uh, it's actually a suave golf towel if, if, we, if we must know. God damn it is. Um, my question to you, Andy, do you actually maintain your towel during a round of golf in a, any specific way where you – use certain parts of the towel for certain things or do you always have like like one side of it or like a specific like you know amount of it like wet to kind of i'm always curious how different people use their golf towels because it seems like everybody's got their own weird little like ticks with how what how and what they do with their towel um our mutual friend andrew whiting is disgusted by the fact that i use a portion (laughs) of my towel as a handkerchief to which I replied, I mean, bro, people have been carrying snot grenades in their front pocket for like 400 years. I feel like using a golf towel to blow your nose once in a while is not that big of a deal. But he he thinks it's repulsive. Um, uh, but I, I was just kind of curious. Like, do, you, do you do anything special with your golf towel? Like, Do you always like at least like, get, wet it down a little bit? I, I, I just want to know. I, I want to know if there is one way, one best way to manager golf towel so that, that that's the one that i'm gonna pose to you i don't i don't think so um i kind of have it like draped i sort of like have it wrapped between like my five iron and my three wood because i never fucking hit those clubs anyway and so I, it doesn't get like pulled out of the bag when i'm when i'm pulling those clubs out um i i'm not usually a wet one side guy i know a lot of people are i generally don't take as good a care of my clubs as i probably should i'm more of like a if it's really nasty you know spit on Dude, it you're like a plus seven a how do you not take care of your clubs <laughs> i'm certainly not a plus seven um i'm a vanity 4.3 uh, it's not good i'm never winning money ever again um but to your to to whiting's point about using it as a snot rocket uh i believe that if you look at my golf towel right now it has a combination of grass Dirt, sand, uh, mustard, potentially some relish, um, certainly sweat. Um, will will you wipe your actually... brow with your towel? Oh yeah, yeah. There relish is, I and would all. Say there is. I would say there is like a side that I kind of like. You know, the bottom left portion of it is sort of like the the dirty piece for the clubs. Maybe the right side. Um, I'm like cleaning the ball with kind of spitting into and, and cleaning the ball. And then if I'm needing to wipe the brow, I try to kind of go in the middle. That's closer to like, that's draped across the bag. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking it with me into the shower afterwards, but uh, yeah, I'm not opposed to a, to a brow wipe. Okay. All right. Or getting some sunscreen out of the eye. That that's the one thing that I it does seem to be everybody that I've asked this question, it does seem like the middle of the towel is kind of the safe space. That's the safe space. Okay. Yeah, because you you're you're not usually wiping or cleaning clubs off in the middle of the towel. That that is strictly reserved for 
wipe it, wiping some mustard off the hands, wiping the brow if need be. Okay, I think I think that's kind of the consensus. I, I I think I feel safe if people were to ask me the same question, saying you can keep the middle of the towel as as a safe space. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Final Be- answer. Beautiful. Um, well, that's it for questions, man. Otherwise, it, everything else good with you, brother? You catch much baseball today? It's opening day. Zero innings of baseball today. Uh, I guess Judge hit a homer on the second pitch of the day. Uh, good for him, Fresno State guy. Um, but yeah, I, I have many months before I'm uh, I'm keeping up with baseball. I would say, are, are you even a baseball fan? I, I enjoy baseball. I like going to the ballpark a couple times a year. I loved it as a kid. I was like the like would go like keep score and do the whole thing. Um, yeah, you did. Interested to see how the how the pitch clock uh, rollout kind of goes, and if that makes it a little bit more exciting or faster paced. Um, and yeah, I mean, I watch you know in the dog days of summer when when there's nothing else on, but. Um, I'm not flipping on a baseball game Tuesday night to, you know, see game 37 of the year between the Dodgers and Phillies. As a young, uh, as a young lad growing up in the Central Valley, you know, suburbs of the great city of Fresno, what, what, what baseball team would you gravitate to? Um, I feel like in Fresno, you you can kind of go Northern or Southern California. Yeah, we're it's a fucked up place. I have like a lot of friends that are like, you know, Dodgers fans and Niners fans or Giants fans and Lakers fans, and it's it's a whole. It, it's a very it, fucking it's a confusing, confusing place. place. It's a confusing place to grow up. Um, oddly enough, I like was a big Braves fan growing up. I mean, uh, that's not crazy. Brothers. Greg Maddox was my favorite player growing up, other than the you know, yeah. non Barry Bonds division. Um, I don't know if the Braves were on TBS every day, but yeah. That's interesting. Are you still a Braves fan? Not particularly. Um, Do you even have a favorite yeah, team know, as, a, as a as a as a thirty something? I'm pulling for the 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 hometown Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, although God, it is a it is a slog to to root for. But uh, as are most of the teams that I pull for. So I would say, in your like uh, circle of friends, like. Is there like a lot of like Angels fans, or just the people that like to go to Angels games once a year, or once twice a year? More of the latter. I mean, there's some people that I work with that are like big, but there's no like real diehard. That's what I'm trying to figure. Are Angels there diehard fans. Angels fans anywhere? I mean, I'm sure there are somewhere. I mean, I haven't run across a ton of them. There were a lot of them when they beat the Giants in the 2002 World Series. That actually seemed sure, like a very, a pretty pretty juiced up crowd. Um, but that's yeah, 20 years I mean, ago. The stadium's stadium's awesome. Um, it's you know gotten older. That's so funny because I feel like I hear from a lot cool. of people saying that the stadium's a piece of shit. It's I I mean it's it's is it a cool. is it a good fun place to go watch a game? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It doesn't have like the history of Dodger Stadium or the traditions or stuff like that, and um, it's not Oracle with the views or anything, but it's, it's a fun place to catch a ball game. Okay. All right. I, I have not checked it off my, uh, my list of, of stadiums to go, go visit during my lifetime. So I'm, I'm sure there's some others that you haven't checked off that might be higher on the list. There, there are. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush. Um, but if you do make it down, well, I was going to say, of... I, I feel between, you know, 
you, I, I feel like I have a lot of uh, humans that I really enjoy spending time with, especially playing golf with, that live down in your neck of the woods. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe one of these uh, next times I make it down, maybe we'll squeeze a, an Angels game in. By then, though, yeah. it's a good chance Mike Trout and Shohei Otani don't play for the Angels. So I'm, it will I'm be less really exciting. I'm hoping that that is not the case. It, it, that might be the nail in the coffin of my limited fandom <laughs> is if they get rid of, of Trout or Otani uh, or both. Um, that that might that might seal the deal for me. Um, Dude, there are national like there's national sports like uh, you know voices like Bill Simmons who's basically being like after watching the World Baseball Classic, baseball just has to get them out. Of, it, they have to play for someone that matters. You know, it's it's like yeah. baseball fans have to see these guys in the playoffs. They should be forced and to train them. He lives in fucking Los Angeles. He lives in Los Angeles, forty-five minutes from the stadium. Uh, not good. No, it's not good. It, honestly, it'd be great if the Angels were like compelling and were good and made the playoffs. Totally, I'd like to see those guys yeah, in the postseason. Yeah, they're kind of a dog shit franchise with like a bad owner and like there's you know a lot of a lot of issues. W- what's weird though is that like. They spend money. It's not like they're like fucking cheap, and they like don't like. I feel like they like yeah, Anthony Rendon costs like a shitload the, of money. It's like Otani and fucking Trout are cheap. Like I feel like they try pool holes. Yeah, I feel like they 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 throw money at a lot of problems. They just seem kind of fucking dumb. Yeah, it's like a lot of really bad, like you know, oh you're thirty five, you got a big name, we'll sign you to a twelve year deal. It's like dude. Like, arguably, Pujols is five years older than he, like, says that he is. So, like, I, I mean, he was, like, 52, <laughs> DHing for the Angels. It was not a, an awesome scene. But then he left, and he was great again. So, what the fuck do I know? Yeah, what the fuck do I know? Um, you got you got any thoughts at all on uh, how NFL free agency shaked out and how, you know, th- going into the, the uh, 2023 NFL draft? Any, any draft thoughts? This Lamar Jackson thing is uh, certainly compelling. Dude. Will be interesting to see what 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 shakes out of that. So sorry, I know you're a big um, football fan, but do you have a favorite football team, or are you just a, you just more just a fan of football? Yeah. So as I mentioned, um, all my teams are um, perennial disappointments. I'm a, a Dallas Cowboy fan. Are you? Um, have have been as a uh, since since I was a kid. Yeah. My grandfather, who I was named after, uh, grew up in Irving, Texas, and. Uh, was a massive cowboy fan and so yeah i was uh, saddled with that uh which was a lot cooler when i was like eight and they were awesome um i was just i just assume it's because you're from fresno and fresno kids are confused with their sports teams but that that, <laughs> that actually is is a compelling reason yeah yeah it's um yeah yeah i did not I, know I, you I were a cowboys know. fan how did i not know that yeah 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 I, I, I don't really advertise it too too loudly. Um, I it is arguably the the professional sports team that I root for the hardest um, and causes me the most heartbreak. Coincidentally, uh, but yep yep Dallas Cowboys it's tough. Now that I know that uh, when when football season does roll around, and this podcast continues. Uh, we're gonna be having you on a lot. Yeah yeah I'm happy to come on. Bill Simmons and, and has cousin Rand. Sal. I've I've got my guy Andy. You know. Yeah, fucking fat slob Mike McCarthy. I hate him so much. Um, Do you think that last I year they were going to get Sean Payton? Well, that see, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the, their roster's pretty fucking good. 
Candy gum. I, it always is. I, I, well, okay, let's let's be fair. It's not always that good. But right now, for the it Dallas Cowboys, I feel like it's especially strong. And yeah, is Jer- is is Jerry just not like why why would you hold on to Mike McCarthy if you can go get Sean Payton? That that has still doesn't make sense to me. Has has anybody in the Dallas media been able to provide any kind of insight as to why it he's didn't like work? A, he's like a weirdly well. I mean, did he want to be the GM too? And Jerry was like, "Nah, dude, that's my fucking job. I pay the fucking bills." It's kind of hard when you go like eleven and six and make the playoffs to like fire your coach, but like the standard should be higher in Dallas. Um, but they are the Cowboys. Oh. They do. They don't actually know how to win in the postseason. At least, yeah, no, for sure. At least, yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, Des caught it. I'm on the record. Um, he did catch it. I, I I will back you up there. He did catch that ball. That was tough. I lived with a guy who was a huge Packers fan, uh, and I like still remember that game like hauntingly well. Um, but yeah, no, that that was a huge mistake. He's like weirdly loyal to like the wrong people. He's going to live to be like 125, so like that's a problem because the Cowboys will have no success until he dies, which will be never. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like a perennial pit of doom. It's not, it's not great. It's more, not great more frustrating coach, Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy? Great question. Um, God, and they both have like stupid faces, but like different type of stupid faces. For sure. You know I mean, um, I would uh, just for the record, I would not want either fucking guy to ever touch my fucking favorite football team with a ten foot pole. So it's like, I, I mean, it's kind of you know, they're two shitty decisions. Yeah, for sure. Um, I w- Garrett is what kind of sticks out to me, but like the recency bias of McCarthy and his stupid fat face. Uh, I feel like with Garrett, though, is it fair to say that with Jason Garrett, you almost never really expected them to win a Super Bowl where it's like he just seems so incompetent that, you know, you never really set your expectations too high where McCarthy has a Super Bowl. Granted, he was, you know, riding Aaron Rodgers at his absolute apex. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, at least for the cow, like the modern Cowboys, there is an expectation that they can and should make it to the Final Four and make it to the Super Bowl. And I don't know if that's totally. what makes it seem more frustrating, or if it is just in fact his extremely fat face. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say it's a combination, but I would say the majority of it is his stupid fat face for me. I love the fact that he, like firing Kellen Moore. Because he wants to score too many points is the single fucking most radical thing I heard all offseason. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm tell, I'm saying this out. Andy's just rolling his head back, just fucking massaging Riding what would be pain. his neck beard, just trying to trying to figure out how he can respond to yeah. again what I think is the the most awesome quote that I think that anybody gave in the NFL this entire offseason. Yeah, well, and then there was, like, the whole thing about, like, he told Jerry Jones that he was, like, in his year off, he had, like, studied in a basement and, like, did all this analytic stuff, and then, like, in his press conference when he got hired, he was basically like, oh, yeah, I was fibbing, ha, ha, ha. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's it's been bad from the jump and, like, will continue to be bad, but, like, it's just good enough to, like, kind of pump some hope into you, like, we're going to make the playoffs, we're kind of dangerous, got a lot of firepower, 
kind of have a lot of aging white linebackers that aren't very good, but then Michael Parsons is there. Like we got, we've got some talent to build around. And, and to be fair, I really like the Stephon Gilmore fucking trade. You know, Stephon Gilmore and Trayvon yeah. Diggs, and you know, at corner, I, I think I'm that a little concerned that Gilmore's kind of over the hill. He was good in Indianapolis last year. If you watched any Colts yeah. games, which I hope you didn't, I, I, I don't have much of a life uh, outside of keeping my my two year old alive. Uh, so I, I'm. I'm watching way more football than is probably healthy or recommended for anybody. I thought Stephon Gilmore was pretty good last year. Yeah. You yeah, might have been just, the best player on the Colts just, last year. Yeah, I mean, that's not saying it's fun. <laughs> I mean, um, that is true. He's He just strikes me as like a, a Dallas guy that they bring in that's like a little old and a little slow and like a little shitty, and they'll probably hang on to him for like two years too long. and the, the key to being a Cowboy fan, Kyle, is you, you're cautiously optimistic. And, yeah, when we talk again in, you know, four months before football season starts, I'll be jacked up and, you know, hey, the Cowboys look great and made a couple moves and Zeke is gone. Pollard's going to be the guy now and he's so dynamic and so many weapons on offense. And then, like, they'll lose week one to, like, the fucking commanders and I'll be right back in my pit of despair. <laughs> Are the 49ers and the Cowboys going to meet in the playoffs for a third straight year? Oh, God. Yeah. I hope not. I was going to say, are there a lot you know, of... You have no quarterback. Well, I mean, you know, the 49ers... I, I At this point, I don't really know what to expect out of the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan is just now... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I speak for other Niners fans. I, I'm more of a... I'm more of a Niners supporter than I am, like, a fan. They're certainly the team that I follow the closest, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think I've been like like a fan fan since they fired Jim Harbaugh. That's uh, kind of where like after they fired Jim Harbaugh, I kind of swore the Niners off for a little while. I bought I, when I'm, I think that happened while I was living abroad. I moved back to the Bay Area. I immediately bought Raiders season tickets at a protest. Uh, had Raiders season tickets for a couple years, um, and. I'm kind of back. I mean, the Kyle Shanahan era has actually brought back a lot of interest in the 49ers. I still follow them. I still read, you know, a ton of stuff on the Niners. But I'm at this really actually kind of great place where when the Niners lose, which even though I think they are they have been certainly and are still better than the Cowboys, they're also not going to win a Super Bowl um, because they just yeah. they're never going to have a quarterback that can actually win a Super Bowl. Uh, on the roster, at least unless something dramatic changes. But I actually don't ever get upset when they lose. It's kind of this nice thing where it's like, I follow the team. That must be a nice place. Yeah, I follow the team. I don't, but the, the downside is like, I don't get nearly as excited when they win as I used to. But I also yeah, don't really get that bummed it, out when they lose. It's got, it's kind of a sweet space to be in. It's kind of like gambling, though. Like, you're you're never as, you're never as happy when you win as you are as mad when you lose. Yeah. So, it, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to play. I mean, maybe Kyle Shanahan can play quarterback for the Niners. I mean, yeah, he fucking could. I mean, <laughs> I mean they, have enough, they have enough talent around him to uh, be successful. And he certainly does some, some interesting shit. Um, I think kind of the Cowboys and the Chargers, like, you know, Mark and, and Gautam and I love to, to kind of, Raz each other about uh, the shortcomings of our our respective teams, and arguably they're the same team. 
Um, a lot of talent. Perennial under. At least you have. Fo- at least you have good childhood memories of your football team. That's true. Their best childhood memory was their team getting boat raced by fifty points in the Super Bowl by the Niners. <laughs> that fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I don't know. It's uh, it's tough, man. I, I, oddly enough, I am really, I'm like really into the NFL offseason. I like. I would say nice. the two the two sports that I follow the closest in March of 2023 is golf far and away number one and the nfl is number two and that's again baseball starting right now uh we're in the middle of you know basketball and hockey season which you know i've I've always really liked watching the warriors uh i don't really follow hockey that closely football in the off season is beating everything else out that's not golf right now yeah i kind of i would probably agree it's just weird as like a that's usually not the case for me usually i don't give too much of a shit about football right now yeah, I mean, I'm certainly pretty plugged into March Madness stuff, but yeah, NBA playoffs, like once the, I know this should be like the exciting part, like kind of the race to the playoffs, who's in, who's out, like, eh, I'm just kind of like, well, when it shakes out. The Warriors have been I'll, straight up I'll, I'll not fun to watch all year. I, I, I've been trying to tell all my buddies that are Warriors fans that keep trying to convince themselves that they're going to turn it around. They might, but the entire season, they've been fucking ass to watch. Yeah. This has been just like, which is weird because Steph Curry is really fun. The Warriors have just been flat out unfun to watch this year. Um, yeah, I stand by that. Uh, well, Andy, I, unless you got some other uh, some other you know knockoff sporting takes, my man, I think what, we turned a, a nice little no, podcast Kyle, about abandoned part three course up. into an hour and a half of uh, you know just delightful bullshit. Now you got me all fired up and pissed off about the Cowboys, so I get to get to rummage around I, I, i'm gonna hit the stop recording button Michael andy and then we can face. continue to talk about the cowboys because I I, <laughs> I I i am really interested to get your off you know uh yeah off air take so uh with that brother thank you very very much for uh for joining me, man I, I really appreciate it we'll i'm sure we'll be back here relatively soon uh yes yeah, nice we got to finish our first podcast yeah i uh look forward to it anytime we can get together Kyle's always a pleasure yep you got it brother Another huge thank you to Andy for joining me for this week's podcast. Uh, and I really have a lot of fun talking with that guy. Um, anyway, this week's podcast, as you guys may have surmised already, was proudly presented to you by Suave Golf. Visit suavegolf.com to check out the great golf sabbaticals that we have uh, planned for this year. We've actually still got two spots left for our trip to Gamble Sands next month, so it's not too late uh, to jump in and join us up in the Pacific Northwest. And then we have a unbelievably killer trip to Southern Pines, North Carolina. We're going to be staying at Pine Needles Golf Club and Lodge, uh, host of the 2022 U.S. Women's Open, and we're going to be playing Pine Needles, Southern Pines, and Mid Pines. Three Donald Ross Classics. Um, And it's just going to be a ton of fun. We have a very casual tournament that we're uh, coordinating for everybody who's there as well. So if you uh, are free, opening weekend of the NFL, I would highly encourage you to join me uh, we're going to be playing golf Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday's round of golf is a little early since we're on the East Coast. Uh, we're going to be wrapped up by about 1 p.m. Eastern, just in time to sit down and drink in excess and watch football for the rest of the day. Unless you really like playing more golf, in which case you can go out and play more golf. It's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful thing about a sabbatical like this. It just gives you all 
all kinds of options. So go to suavegolf.com, check out our sabbaticals, see if one of those lines up with your schedule. And uh, if you can make it, we'd love to see you out there. So otherwise, I hope you guys have a great week. I'll be back in a couple days with a big Masters preview with my good friend Chris Durst. So until then, adios, everybody.